Well, good evening, everybody, and we welcome you to this week's edition of the Boardwalk Hardwood Floors Behind the Bench Show. I'm Chris Kerber, and we are getting you set as one week from tonight, the St. Louis Blues drop the puck and face off against the Chicago Blackhawks in their first exhibition game of the return to play scenario. It will be just a couple of days later on October or on August 2nd that they face off against the Colorado Avalanche and the seeding round will be underway. So coming up on tonight's show for you, we're going to get you set from a management perspective. At 6.15, you'll hear from Craig Barubi, the head coach of your St. Louis Blues. We'll get his thoughts on camp, how players are looking, how he intends to handle the bubble, and just really what is on his mind in terms of what to expect when the team heads to Edmonton on Sunday. Right after that, we're going to go one step higher, and we're going to talk to the president and general manager of the St. Louis Blues, Doug Armstrong, Doug's going to talk to us about who he thinks has looked really good in camp. And he gives you a couple of surprises as well. Some names that have really popped a little bit over the course of this phase three of the return to play scenario. That's all coming up on the show. We've got some blues programs to tell you about here in just a moment. And also a little bit because behind the bench does focus on things that might be more front office like from time to time. But the salary cap situation is a real interesting one that we address with Doug Armstrong, and we'll get into that here in just a minute. But before we get rolling, we want to remind everybody a big thank you to the Boardwalk Cardwood Floors for their sponsorship of the show. If you're tired of looking at stained carpet and scuffed vinyl, we would love to help you increase the style and the value of your home with Boardwalk Cardwood Floors. When considering new flooring in your home, real wood is the healthiest option and provides the best long-term value. Boardwalk is a local family-owned business providing quality floors in our community for more than 22 years. Boardwalk has great floors for every home with better selection, better value, and the best service. Don't just take our word for it. Check out the reviews on Google. Visit one of our three area showrooms and online at boardwalkhardwood.com. And folks, I I can tell you this. So we just finished a bit of a renovation project in our basement. We were going to do carpet throughout the whole thing, and I called an audible. We wanted to go with some of that luxury vinyl that looks like hardwood floors in an art area where the kids are going to play. I walked into the Manchester location for Boardwalk Hardwood Floors, told them exactly what we needed, said, I'm bringing you to the dance a little bit late. Not only did they find me the right project, they kept me on budget. On top of that, when I talked to the installer, he gave me an idea for the stairs down into the basement that saved us a couple thousand dollars to use his idea versus what we were going to do. And they look absolutely fantastic. But then they also kept me on schedule. They were able to get the product in and get it installed. And we didn't miss a beat, even bringing them to the dance a little bit late. So that's the kind of service you can expect when you check out Boardwalk Hardwood Floors. And again, BoardwalkHardwood.com or stop into any one of their three area locations. All right, so let's get into what we've got coming up. The St. Louis Blues continue with phase three of the return to play scenario. That, of course, is training camp. Now, what they are going to do is on Sunday, the team will jump on the plane. They will head up to Edmonton and essentially begin their time in the bubble. How long will that last? Well, you've got the three seeding games that the team is going to play, plus the exhibition game next Wednesday, and then the first round of the playoffs will start. At that point, you could be in the bubble all the way until the first week of October if you go all the way to the Stanley Cup Final, which, of course, is what we hope happens. Or you could be coming home after just one round, two rounds, or three rounds. We'll have to wait and see. But as we've talked a lot about, this is no doubt going to be one exciting 
playoffs. Now, here's the best part about it. And the Blues uh, Chief Revenue Officer, Steve Chapman, has put this probably as well as anybody could. Starting on August 1st, you basically have an NCAA-like scenario, NCAA tournament-like scenario for hockey. You will have games on essentially from noon until midnight, all the way through until the first round of the playoffs. And then even when the first round of the playoffs start, you're going to have games throughout the day. But imagine five games in a day one day, six games in the day next. And it's not just Thursday to Sunday. It's every single day. This is going to be fantastic. So whether you're getting your Blues games on the radio, through Fox Sports Midwest, on NBC Sports Network, on the big NBC channel, there is going to be hockey galore for hockey fans out there. So essentially, I suggest kind of with the Cardinals getting started this week, uh, with hockey starting up next week, you'll have the NBA going, you'll eventually have football going. I'm telling you, folks, I'm not even going into the bubble. At least at this point, we're doing games from the Centene Studios, our E&B Granite Studios there over at the Centene Ice Center. Uh, but you might as well put me in a bubble because I am basically going to uh, do some thumb workouts and make sure my remote controls are firing on every TV and watching sports nonstop. This is going to be absolutely awesome. So our first broadcast comes your way next Wednesday night when the Blues face off against the Blackhawks. That'll be a 5.30 local time start. We're still coming at you with a full one-hour pregame. We'll still have postgame, and that'll be our first broadcast. It's the exhibition game. And then on August 2nd, it will be the Blues and the Colorado Avalanche. And that is a 5.30 start as well with a one-hour pregame. Now, the other things to let you know about. We want you to activate as fans just like you would in a regular scenario. So the banner program that the St. Louis Blues have been doing over the last number of years, it's still going on and you can order the new banner. So we've been doing this, what, about five years? And what you do is you take a Blues banner and you put it up at your house. You put it up at your business. You can put it up outside. You can put it up inside. But we want you to do a little bit more than that. We want you to take pictures and send them in to us, and you can win some great prizes if you do. Now, every year that we have done this, we've designed a new banner. So there's a brand-new banner as well that you could look at. And you can go online to stlouisblues.com and check out these banners and order the banners up. So we're excited for the return of Hoxie. We're asking local businesses and fans to show their excitement, support it by hanging their Let's Go Blues banner from either past years or purchasing the new one. Now, banners can be purchased at stlauthentics.com stlauthentics.com. They get shipped directly to your home or business. They're $65 through this Friday. That's it. And folks, you're not making, the team's not making, the the, the company's not making a lot of money on this. We've done these banner programs to make sure that we can get as many of them out there for the people as possible. So the prices through this Friday are $65. They go up to $73 on Saturday. So order yours now, stlauthentics.com. Now, when you hang your banner, be sure to post a photo of your banner on social media. Use the hashtag, WeAllBleedBlue. Hashtag, WeAllBleedBlue to be entered to win prizes that include signed pucks, our 2019 championship book, History Made, and other Blues merchandise. And again, if you don't have space for the banner, we'd still love to see you do other creative things that that our fans are gearing up for the the return to play this season in the playoffs. Chalk or window art, cutting the blue note into your grass. I got got somebody that lives up the street of me on Henry that every year puts a, a big blue note or a Stanley Cup in the yard come playoff time. Those things are awesome. Again, you can be involved in this too. Take pictures of it. Put the hashtag up there of We All Bleed Blue, and you'll be entered 
to win some great blues prizes as well. So again, if you're looking for the banner, it's stlauthentics.com. The rate of just $65 a banner is through this Friday. Then the prices will go up to $73 on Saturday. Now, another aspect of what is going on, and the Blues are going to continue to help raise money for Blues for Kids. And this also involves the St. Louis Blues Alumni Association, which, as everybody knows, is one of the absolute best in the league. They are going to continue with doing the 50-50 raffle, and it's going to be online. Now, it's they're, what they're going to do is it's going to be a continued raffle per round. So they're going to do one 50-50 raffle to build that pot up through the round. They will do the drawings at the end of each round. So the first one, the first raffle opens on July 27th. So coming up next Monday at 12.01 a.m., you can log on to stlouisblues.com slash 50-50 stlouisblues.com slash 5050 and then you can purchase your uh, 5050 raffle tickets through that it benefits the blues for kids it benefits the st louis blues alumni association and we want to get this out there the raffle is going to close on august 9th during the third period of the blues game so they're going to do one for the seeding games Then they'll launch another 50-50 raffle for the first round of the playoffs. If the Blues move on, they'll continue to do that raffle. But again, so it'll start on July 27th at 12.01 a.m. The raffle will close during at the start of the third period of the Blues game on August 9th. And then they will do the drawing. And hopefully we put some money in somebody's pocket and raise some great money for Blues for Kids and the Blues Alumni Association as well. So stay tuned for that. And again, if you want the banner, you log on to, or any Blues merchandise for that matter, log on to stlauthentics.com for 50-50. You go to stlouisblues.com slash 50-50, and that should get you rolling there. So there's a couple of quick updates. Now, by the way, you can log on to stlouisblues.com for all the playoff information Another thing that the team is working hard on is some watch parties. Whether they be at drive-ins or drive-ins, socially distanced watch parties, the Blues are going to be doing some of those in each playoff round. So log on to stlouisblues.com for that as well. All right, here's what we've got coming up on the show. We'll take our first break on the Boardwalk Hardwood Floors Behind the Bench show. We will talk things over with Craig Berube, the Blues head coach, when we come back. Following that, we're going to be joined by Blues General Manager Doug Armstrong, and then we'll take on our final segment an interesting look. I know I know everybody is focused on Alex Petrangelo from a free agent standpoint right now, and they should be. That is one of the largest free agent scenarios the Blues have had in a long, long while. But this year may not be the year you need to worry about, and I'll explain that in the final segment of the show. That's a pretty packed one hour for you of hockey talk right here. It's the Boardwalk Hardwood Floors Behind the Bench Show. We'll come back in a moment with Craig Berube on your home for St. Louis Blues Hockey 101 ESPN. Well, welcome back into the Boardwalk Car with Floors Behind the Bench show. Thrilled to be joined now by the head coach of your St. Louis Blues, Craig Berube. As the time is ticking down on phase three in the camp, the team heading up into the bubble in Edmonton sometime on Sunday morning. And Craig, thanks for giving us some time. Uh, how you doing and, and how are your early impressions? Uh, I guess we could say late impressions now of camp so far. Yeah, I'm doing good. Um... You know, just been you know busy here every day, coming and and uh, getting the guys up to speed. I think our guys uh, are working extremely hard. They're uh, you know getting prepared. It's still a ways to go yet, though. Still, I think uh, you know we got an exhibition game and those round robin games. We're really gonna have to get dialed in with those games. It's just 
it's difficult to uh, scrimmage against each other and uh, and make a game like we try to do it as best we can. I think our guys are doing a pretty good job. How are you managing the needs and the uh, importance of following through on all the health protocols? Yeah, I think uh, they're doing a great job here, Reed Barilli and the trainers and um, everybody with the testing and all that. I think our guys are doing a real good job of it. And, uh, you know, I, it's just it's part of it all. And when we get to the hub in, the, in Edmonton, it's going to be the same thing. So we'll be used to it by then. I think our guys are used to it now, and they're adapting to everything kind of nicely. Craig, how does this work with the testing? Do you get the results eventually and, and, or at least get communicated to then by Doug Armstrong, how things are going or, or how are you staying in the loop on that? No, we get the test pretty quick. And then uh, Ray Barilli just reports back to us with it all right away. The one aspect, and I mentioned this uh, earlier in the program, actually on an interview I did yesterday too, the league is the one that is handling all the the test results and they're handling the injury situation. So when a coach or a player says, ah, look, a guy just isn't available and we're not allowed to get into detail, it's not really – it's not really how you guys would typically have handled it, but it's being how you're directed to handle it, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I think just with everything, it's – it's better the league handles it. Um, we stay out of it. I think that's the best way with the situation we're in. All right, so let's go down onto the ice. They had the scrimmage today. Uh, what did you see in that scrimmage? Yeah, I think the scrimmages were really just we're looking to to get guys to understand what what's ahead of them with you know puck pressure and, and making plays under pressure and doing things like that. Getting your mind to to think quickly and do things quickly. Um, that doesn't always just happen in practice. You got a scrimmage or, or, you know, exhibition games are the best way to do it. Uh, but we don't have that ability right now. So we want to get some scrimmages in there to get um, more game like situations. Uh, and I think guys are working hard. Like I said, they're working hard out there. I think they're trying to do things the, the right way. But when you have scrimmages a lot of times between each other, uh, you know, on the ice, you, you get a little cute or trying to make it too many plays. Those are the types of things that stick out, I guess, negatively a little bit. But that I'm sure, you know, once these the, the real games get going and the exhibition games, we're going to play more of our style. We're a physical, heavy team. We don't want each other. We don't want to be injuring each other, so it's tough. So, uh, Craig, as you're going through this and you know that you'll have a guy like Barbashev out, you talked about that yesterday, different things. How much of the time of what you're doing is also focusing on playing situations that you anticipate will be coming up in this situation? Um, well, you don't, like, I guess, you you know, you can anticipate all you want, but you really don't know what's going to happen. We want to work on everything. We want to be... As, as prepared as we can for every situation that'll occur. Um, so I think we're doing. I think we've been doing a good job of that. We're we're getting all the all these uh, certain situations in games. We're trying to work on it in practice, or or it happens in the scrimmage. But we're 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 covering all the bases before we get there. Doug Armstrong told us that uh, Jake Wallman is is one of the guys that's kind of come on the scene and looked pretty well in camp. Uh, and, and I know in the scrimmage you had him with Petrangelo a little bit. Do you, do you like seeing how some of these younger kids are developing? Yeah, and I think it's great to see these guys, uh, you know, getting experience. Uh, the Tucker kid, you know, um, Hofer and that, 
just young kids that they, they won't be available to play, but they're getting good experience here. And then the younger kids, Kairu, Wallman, Mikola up here, Cox and Pagansky, all those guys getting real good experience. And they're available to play, so you never know. So we've got to have them prepared as much as we have to have, you know, our veterans prepared. <clears throat> what does having Vladimir Tarasenko on another power play unit add to the dimension of when you can throw these two different units out? Well, it does. It's a big, it's a big help for sure. He's a great player and a great scorer. And, you know, we're, we're smart. We got the units the way they are right now, but they're always available to be switched. If we don't see it, you know, it going the right way, we, we, we'll move them. So we used two power play units last year in the playoffs a lot. Um, and there's a possibility that, uh, we could go back to those old units or we could keep them as we do right now, which we are. But they could change. So, but it's nice having Vladdy. He's a great goal scorer, um, great player for us. So that's going to be a real boost having him back. So, when I talked to Steve Ott maybe about a month ago, and we were highlighting him on on the show that we're doing here, the Behind the Bench show. One of the things he said you guys were waiting for at the time was just how the league was going to handle things and how this how this return to play was going to look. So you guys knew how to coach. Knowing that you're going into a situation where it's essentially a tournament right off the bat versus a couple weeks of regular season, has that impacted the approach that you are taking throughout this camp? Well, it's certainly a lot more urgency, I think, and getting up to speed as quickly as possible. I think those round-robin games are critical games of, you know, not not only winning them, but, you know, getting your team uh, prepared to compete at a very high level right away. We don't have no time to uh, ease into the season or, you know, whatever way you want to look at it. it these, these games are important for me, getting up to speed, playing hard right away, and, and getting to where you're playing as tight as you can as a team. And I feel like, you know, the team that, that can do that the quickest is going to have a real advantage. Will you try, it, whether it be in the exhibition game or through them, to, to get Billy Huso uh, part of some game, if not an entire game, just in case for some reason you had to go down that road? Um, that's a good question. We're, we talked about that a couple times, and we really haven't decided yet for sure. We'll see how it goes. But getting a, getting the two goaltenders in and ready to go as well is going to be an interesting situation because teams could rely on more than one goaltender with the way this situation is set up, isn't it? Well, definitely. So we need both of them. You know, it's really important that they're both playing at a high level, I believe. Um, like you said, it's, it's a good possibility you could use them both. Where do you sit and how do you feel about your penalty kill situation uh, as camp goes through, is that something you really wait to focus on from a game situation? Well, we scrimmage. We've had a power play penalty kill scrimmage already, and we're going to have one tomorrow again. So we're we're working on it. We want to make sure it's up to speed. It's going to be real important in the playoffs here, as it always is. Your penalty kill's got to be really good. Your power play's got to be good. You know, basically your whole game's got to be good. You got You can't have any weaknesses, and uh, that's going to be important. So we're working on it. We talk with Blues head coach Craig Barubi here on the Boardwalk Carver Floors Behind the Bench Show. Craig, how would you uh, how would you classify or what would you say is maybe the more important or most important overriding message you want your team to understand as as this begins? Well, you know, we always talk about putting the team first, and and we have that team mindset. I think, like I said, the tightest team and the team that's ready to jump in with both feet right away. 
um, is going to have an advantage. That's a big thing. The other thing for me that's really going to come into play here, and it does, you know, like regularly on, in playoffs is discipline and mental toughness. You're going to go through a lot of, uh, you know, scenarios, um, you know, things that aren't going to go your way, um, just like last year in the playoffs. And you got to be mentally tough and you got to be disciplined to push your way through it. Um, it's not going to be easy. Um, this is going to be a totally different uh, mindset, I believe, just being in that in that hub city, in that bubble, um, not being with your families, not being able to do very much. You know, it's basically hockey and at the hotel. So it's tough. And but you got to you got to be disciplined and got to be mentally mental toughness is going to be huge. Justin Falk and some interviews that he did, and especially when he met with the media yesterday, and they were asking him about his the, the the season prior to the pause. And when a player like that, Craig, is just so bluntly honest, saying, "No, I just at times didn't play well," and and yet at the time he was still pretty doggone effective playing twenty minutes a game. What does it mean for you as a coach when when a player has that kind of honesty about where his game was? Yeah, he's an honest guy and he's a team guy. And, you know, he's upset because he thought he could play, he can play better and he knows he can play better. Um, and, you know, I said, you know, I've said in the interviews and uh, to the media that you come to a new, new team at times, it's tough. Like, you, you know, it, it's not that easy to adjust. He's spent eight years in Carolina. So, and he's coming into a team that has a lot of real good defensemen too. So, um, it was a tough situation for him. But for me, he did a lot of things really well all year. He really has. And it goes unnoticed to a lot of people because they look at points. Um, I don't always look at points. Points are, points are important. Um, but there's a lot of other things that go into the game, not just points. And he's done a real good job of playing different areas for us left, right, uh, playing with Petro, playing here, playing there. Um, like I said, he's been a real good team guy for us and uh, has done a real good job. You know, whether it be Zach Sanford, who Doug Armstrong said is, is coming looking very good, whether it be Sammy Blade, Troy Brower, Mackenzie McEachern, do you feel like you have the flexibility and the depth to accomplish what you're looking to accomplish? Oh, we've got a deep team, I believe. Um, you know, I think that we, you know, Doug Armstrong has done a great job of building this team and, uh, you know, we our our depth is the most is our strength, in my opinion. You know, if you look at our defense core, you look at our forwards. Um, you know, we're a deep team, and you know, one of the reasons we won last year is our depth really helped us. You know, integrating players throughout playoffs, different guys coming in and stepping up and doing things, and it's going to be really important again this year. Are you excited to get things going? I am. You know, I think. Uh, you know, I think our guys are two practices getting a little bit long here now. Um, you know, I think they're ready to play some meaningful games for sure. Now, I heard Steve Ott did a heck of a Tim Peel impression officiating the other day. How, how'd that work out? <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> did a good job. And uh, Mark Savard looked like Coho up there, Don Kaharski. <laughs> I was calling him Coho. They did a great job of uh, refereeing the games. It's good to have those guys be able to do that uh last thing for you craig uh, and, and we appreciate your time today what are you most intrigued about as you go into this bubble situation not so much on the ice but just intrigued about the scenario well I, it's going to be something you know that none of us have ever done before 
Um, it's going to be interesting to see how everybody reacts to it, to be honest with you. Like I said, uh, there's not going to be a lot to do. So, you know, you're going to have to find ways to keep yourself busy, keep your mind occupied, occupied and, uh, and at the same time, you know, follow the rules and regulations and then stay safe. So, uh, again, I'll say it again, it's going to take a lot of mental toughness and discipline. Something that you have instilled in this team without a doubt. Well, listen, I don't know what the scenario will be. Hopefully it is one heck of a deep run as you guys get up there to defend your Stanley Cup championship. Maybe they let uh, uh, some of the broadcasters on site later in the tournament. But if they don't, uh, I, and I mean this very positively, I hope I don't see you till the uh, first week of October. <laughs> you got it, too. All right, that is Craig Berube joining us on this week's edition of the Boardwalk Harbor Floors Behind the Bench Show. When we come back, we'll talk things over with Blues General Manager Doug Armstrong here on 101 ESPN. Well, welcome back into the Boardwalk Harbor Floors Behind the Bench Show. Chris Kerber with you here. We've already heard from Craig Berube tonight. Now let's go to the president and general manager of the St. Louis Blues, Doug Armstrong. And uh, Army, uh, first off, we're getting closer to the team heading out to Edmonton. Uh, how do you see camp going so far? It's been good. Uh, you know, phase two and phase three, the players have showed up in uh, good shape and have worked very hard. And I think everyone's excited to get on that plane on Sunday and uh, get back to get back to some hockey. Do you sense that much like a normal training camp when the players are like, okay, we're done with this, let's play some games, that that is how they're feeling now? Uh, probably not quite there yet. I think, uh, you know, normal training camp has lasted uh, quite a bit longer than this. I think they're still knocking off some of the rust and getting their conditioning up. But uh, I think getting to, to Edmonton and having uh, that exhibition game plus those round-robin games is a benefit to, to the eight teams that have that uh, luxury. And uh, I think we'll be ready to go when, when we get to round one for sure. What, if anything, has stood out for you in this camp so far? I, I would just say the commitment uh, to, to the conditioning program the players had uh, during the four months away. Uh, you, you know, you give them instruction or give them guidance and then hope they pull it off. And uh, to, to a man, they've done a very good job. So just the professionalism that they, they uh, come back in has been very impressive and uh, uh, the desire to get back on the ice and uh, to compete. Well, and really when you look at that with this group and what they've accomplished and how they've grown in that mentality, that doesn't surprise you, does it? No, no. I, I was very comfortable that uh, when we went into the pause that, we had a mature group that was going to, uh, you know, handle things away from the rink very well. Obviously, uh, as your team matures and gets older, there's other responsibilities. A lot of guys have, uh, have young families and children now, and so you have to balance taking care of them and, and making sure they're safe and you're safe as, as they're doing their conditioning, and I thought they did a great job doing that. If you don't mind, help us break down camp a little bit uh, from what you've seen. Uh, how do things look from a forward aspect for you? Well, very good. Getting Tarasenko back in solidifies that uh, that top nine uh, group uh, with with Shen and Swartz as of now. And uh, uh, Sanford's had an excellent camp, uh, maybe the best camp I've seen him have uh, since he since he's been here. So that's very positive. And uh, uh, you know, our, our depth is exceptional right now, and uh, we're probably going to need it as we move forward. So it's great to have this many good uh, options for the coach. Boy, Doug, when you put a team together and, and you talk about those options for the coach, when you've got the flexibility of Robert Thomas at center, but a centerman and Tyler Bozak then on the wing, somebody like Shen that can play both center and, and on the wing, and that type of depth running through your 
top four lines where you could put Barbashev at center or Sunquist at center. And that ability to adjust, what does that mean in terms of the chances of success? Well, I think just flexibility is very important for a coach and having guys that can play multiple, multiple positions is, is certainly a benefit. Uh, uh, you know, I think it's very much easier for, for a team to uh, have players that at center ice go to the wing and, and we have that, but also having the options if something happens during the game, move uh, one of those guys back into the middle. So I think Craig has some good options, right and left shots for face-offs and uh, our, our depth down the middle is, is strong. From the defensive side of things, you had a couple defensemen out at the beginning of this phase three. Uh, Vince Dunn out right now. Uh, how does the defense shaping up? Uh, so very, very uh, similar to, to how we uh, end, uh, or entered the pause. Uh, you know, Scandella looks like he's had a uh, really good uh, first couple of weeks back here, and uh, him and Franco look like a very uh, comfortable shutdown pair. Uh, Obviously, our captain's a big piece of what we have here right now, and he's had a very good training camp. And it just that 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 group just seems to have picked up where they left off, and it's the strength of our team right now. Uh, Mikel has come in, and uh, probably the I don't say the biggest surprise, but the the one that's caught our attention is Jake Wallman. He's his skating has been dynamic. His uh, his attention to detail has been very good. So he gives us another option of a player that uh, had a good American League uh, season, and and uh, you know. It shows that when you put the work in down there, it does show up here, and, and I've been very impressed with this game. Well, and, and it's getting time for a couple of those guys that have spent a couple of years down in the American Hockey League to be able to take that next step forward in their career too, isn't it? Well, it is, and, you know, we're, we're an organization that makes the younger players sort of push and prod and uh, fight their way in. We don't uh, – we try not to give jobs away. Uh, we try and make them earn them, and you have a player like Walman and Mikel on the back end. You have a player like Cairo up front that that are pushing. Uh, obviously, you saw what or what uh, Robert Thomas did a year ago, having to fight for his ice time into the second half of the year and how he responded. So uh, I think comp- internal competition is very uh, important to have long-term success. And uh, these young players are now getting everyone's attention that they're ready to take a bigger step. How are the goalies looking to you? Uh, very good. Yeah, all uh, all four have actually been, been good. Uh, Bennington and Allen uh, are, are going to uh, obviously – be the two guys that we run with and uh, we're better being the man and uh, we're just looking forward to getting there. But all guys that come in and look very good in camp. And uh, again, uh, we, we view it certainly a, a position of strength for us. Now it, it, help me out just to make sure the fans, I know you've said this before, but if they haven't heard you, you can, you are going to take three goaltenders up there to Edmonton with you. And then you can keep one back here in case he's needed. Well, he'll actually go home, but yes, okay. yeah, we'll have one goaltender, uh, uh, just in case you, you, you get some long-term injuries. Uh, obviously, the NHL doesn't want a, a black guy not having a qualified goaltender in there in the, in, in the playoffs. So, uh, But trying to keep the bubble small, I understand it. So, so we'll send Hoffer back home, and uh, then he'll get ready to get in here uh, if, if needed. Are you comfortable with the agreed-upon roster size that you can bring in terms of number of players you can take into the bubble? Yeah, yeah. I guess the only, the only question is no one knows what the injuries are going to look like coming off of uh, this this amount of time off with the intensity that you're going to play at. Uh, but we're taking six lines uh, and, and ten defensemen. And uh, quite honestly, if we get through all those guys, that means we're we're playing likely into the to the fourth round, which is a which we'd sign up for right now. Yeah, no doubt about that. And I guess that is one of the bigger questions going in is, 
you know, you'll typically you'll, you'll get some of those sore lower backs. You'll get some of those hip flexor injuries as, as you start to get rolling here. And the, the difference is, though, is this is not the regular season. So we kind of roll right in as if this was the World Cup or or, or another tournament like that. Is, is that something that you're keeping a close eye on? And I, I wouldn't say concerned about, but have an eyebrow raised towards. Well, I, yeah, I, I think it's you know the players, uh, the veteran players, certainly. Uh, understand what uh, September, October hockey means, and they got to prepare themselves for a long year. I think guys will play with different injuries maybe that they wouldn't, uh, we would not have to play with in, in September, October. Not an injury, but just an ache or a pain that you give it time over. Right now, uh, uh, for us, when you get to, I think it's August 10th or 11th, whenever we play, you're, you're in do-or-die situations, and it's all hands on deck. Army, what is the situation in terms of how a player, what a player has to go through to re-enter the bubble? So in a situation like uh, like like Ivan Barbashev or Lars Eller with the Washington Capitals, for them to be able to re-enter, will that take some time? Yeah, anyone that leaves the bubble is going to have to obviously quarantine when they get back in. They're going to have, have to have X amount of uh, negative tests in a row every 24 hours. Uh, a lot of it depends where you're coming from and how you're traveling, but... Uh, uh, when, when a player does leave, you're going to be without him for a few games for sure. Have what you've seen from players that you've been watching daily and the health protocols in place, as this has gone on through phase three, does it lead to more confidence to you that the overall plan can be a successful one? Yeah, I think uh, obviously it was a very positive news uh, from the NHL the other day when they, uh, after the beginning of phase two, there's only been two positive tests around the NHL, which uh, which is very positive when you have uh, 24 teams plus coaches, trainers, and everyone getting tested. I think once we get into the uh, to the bubble in, in these Canadian cities, uh, uh, we have a great chance of pulling this off, partly because uh, uh, Toronto and Edmonton uh, have done a great job uh, locally of keeping their, their cases down. So uh, I think once we get there, we have, we have a very good opportunity to to, to get uh, all the way to the finals. When you heard, when you heard the news of, of some of the flooding and, and and some of the issues that they had to do to now to repair the building there in Edmonton, with 2020 being the way it is, did you just almost roll your eyes and say, "Oh my goodness, it just keeps coming"? Uh, well, not really. I didn't think it was that big of a deal. I think they had a broken pipe or something. Like it, it. Uh, I think everyone looks at things right now with a with a in a microscope. They they were going to have a couple of weeks to get everything ready. So, uh, and I had heard relatively quickly that it wasn't going to be that severe. But it, yeah, it just it seemed to to roll with uh, how things have been going for for society as a whole. In the role of general manager now, how much of your time because things will be condensed afterwards. How much of your time is focused on what is going on, obviously, in the immediate with these players, but also planning for what will be a much shorter window that will involve not only the draft but free agency? Well, I think uh, we're, we're set up uh, very well, uh, quite honestly, having contracts signed. I think we have uh, uh, two unrestricted free agents in, in Petrangelo and Brower and just two restricted free agents in Delarose and Dunn. So a lot of our heavy lifting is done uh, so I think I think we're in a good spot. Our, our draft board is all set. Uh, so we're, we're we're in a good spot, and and hopefully it's a quick turnaround between uh, our last game and, and the draft, and we'll be ready for it. Did not having uh, the rest of the seasons at the junior level and and those kind of things impact some of your draft planning or ability to see guys one extra time, or, or are you pretty confident that you had enough already, having seen what you saw? 
No, it's certainly it, it's going to be a much. Uh, you're you're walking with much less information. Like like anything, you want to see players play in prime time, whether it's the NCAA uh, tournament and playoffs or uh, in playoff tournament uh, in in the Canadian Hockey League or the World uh, Under 18 event. And uh, you know, you you basically spend the first three or four months getting players organized, and then you really dig into them. And we haven't had that opportunity. So our scouts have done a lot of work uh, on video. Uh, trying to get a lot of second and, and third sources about character and things like that. It's going to be a different draft for sure. I think it's it's going to notice it. You're, you're going to notice it not in the top 10 or 12 picks, but once you get to the second through, uh, you know, um, seventh round, it's going to be very interesting. How does the agreement on the flat salary cap for the next couple of years cause you to pivot from maybe the course you were on before? I don't think it really does. Uh, as I said, we, we've, uh, you know, we didn't obviously know this was coming, but, uh, when you, when you look past, uh, the end of the 21 or 2021 season, we have, uh, quite a few expiring contracts. Uh, uh, we know what the system is going to be. So I think we're in actually a really good spot to, to move forward. And we talked about some of these younger players that are ready to push and, uh, you know, younger players come at, at a lesser compensation. So that'll allow us to sign other players. So I, I think we're in a good spot, you know, but we're not really concerned about uh, what it's going to look like uh, a year or two from now. We're just worried about uh, a week or two from now. Well, I know a lot of folks also think about uh, how something like that impacts unrestricted free agents, but it really impacts restricted free agents as well, doesn't it? Well, it does. I mean, there, there's a system in place now where uh, there's arbitration rights, there's players with non-arbitration rights, and, uh, uh, you know, the unrestricted are going to try and squeeze the team and the team is going to squeeze the restricted for reasons. That's just how the, the system is set up now. And uh, you just have to, you know, you, the one thing that I, I'm comfortable with, we've been a cap team for the last decade and we're going to be a cap team moving forward. So it's not about trying to save money. Uh, uh, it's just allocation of money more than a savings of money. Well, and, and even so, I mean, if you're if you're thinking though potentially that you could be dealing with a cap that would be around eighty five to eighty six million when it's down to eighty one, it does cause some recalculations though, doesn't it? Well, I, I think it causes recalculations on the player side and the and the management side. Yeah, th- those are the kind of uh, interesting challenges uh, on how things will move forward. Doug, what what do you think, uh, or as you go in, what are you most curious about? the bubble situation as you guys head up to Edmonton on Sunday? Uh, I, you know, I don't really have many many, many questions. Uh, we're going to go up there. We're, we, we have our schedule. We know where we're going to play. We're going to prepare to play. Uh, you know, it's going to be different not being able to, like, have the freedom that we have in, in these cities to go for walks, go to movies, do other things. But also, uh, we've never had the ability to go watch three games a day either. Uh, so uh, I, I think I'm, I, I know for myself, I'm, I'm looking forward to it because you can go over, watch a couple of periods, go back, you get some exercise in, have dinner, go back, watch another game. So it's going to be hockey 24-7. And uh, I think the players, uh, being part of a couple of international events, uh, players usually do gravitate over to the games to watch other countries play. I would imagine that uh, teams are going to gravitate over to the arena to watch other teams play. It it could be a dream scenario for a hockey junkie, is what you're saying. That's a nothing else to do. Might as well go watch some puck drops. Yep. No, I think it's it's going to be exciting, and I think uh, especially when you when you're watching the intensity of the play, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Well, as you guys uh, pack everything up and head out there, uh, we will obviously be in touch. But thank you so much for some time this week, Doug. Uh, good luck as you guys get rolling up there. 
Thank you very much, Kirks. You take care and stay safe. You got it. That is Blues General Manager Doug Armstrong. We'll take a quick break, come back with more in a moment here on the Boardwalk Harbor Floors Behind the Bench Show on your home for St. Louis Blues Hockey, 101 ESPN. Well, one final time, we welcome you back into the Boardwalk Harbor Floors Behind the Bench Show tonight. Hopefully you enjoyed hearing from both Kate Craig Baruby and Doug Armstrong as they get the team ready to head up to Edmonton on Sunday. Remember, if you're tired of looking at stained carpet and scuffed vinyl, we would love to help you increase the style and the value of your home with Boardwalk Hardwood Floors. When considering new flooring in your home, real wood is the healthiest option and provides the best long-term value. Boardwalk is a local family-owned business providing quality floors in our community for more than 22 years. Boardwalk has great floors for every home with better selection, better value, and the best service. Don't just take our word for it. Check out the reviews on Google. Visit one of our three area showrooms and online at boardwalkhardwood.com. All right, you heard Doug Armstrong talking about the flat salary cap and what that means for the St. Louis Blues. And look, Doug always has a very matter-of-fact approach to it. It's one of the reasons, and, and let's go back to when... Instead of, you know, instead of fighting Vladimir Sabotka, the team said, go play in the KHL. And let's face it, as good of a player as Vladimir Sabotka was in the role that he played for the St. Louis Blues, he didn't return the same player, you know, and and, and just hasn't been obviously the same player even even with Buffalo. So Doug Armstrong has taken a very matter-of-fact approach with this. There's only been one or two holdouts over the course of his tenure as general manager as well, and he's managed to work those things through it. Well, obviously, the big issue and the big question mark from a unrestricted free agent aspect right now is Alex Petrangelo. And the question is, okay, if the cap is flat, how do the Blues afford Alex Petrangelo? Well, in my opinion, there's a real interesting aspect of the CBA the way it is written now. And that is that over the course of the next six years, the amount of escrow that a player would be paying could reduce to as low as 6% when it's been as high as 20%. And again, for those that miss it, escrow is basically the amount the players put into an escrow account in case the revenue split of 50-50 on hockey-related revenues compared to what the teams are paying to the players is higher than 50-50, then some of that comes back to the owners. That's a very simplistic way of looking at it. Well, it was a real sticking point for the players, and they wanted to obviously be paying lower escrow rates. Well, because towards the end of this six-year window, the escrow being paid could be as low as 6% versus pretty high in the first year. Instead of front-loading contracts, which has been the way a lot of teams and players have done things to get things under the cap over long-term deals, it now may benefit a player to backload some of these contracts. Now, there's a gamble. There's also the buyout aspect. So, if again, that could cause you to lose some money, but... You've got a better chance if you're a player that's in great shape and you think you're going to see that contract out of getting actually more money by backloading it and maybe not front-loading it over the first two years. So again, your cap hit is what gets spread out over the term. How the Blues work it in terms of into their budget could actually be beneficial here if Alex Petrangelo wants to take less in year one and more on the back end to help save on the escrow side. Will he? Well, I don't know. That remains to be seen. But Doug Armstrong also mentioned the next year. And here's why the 21-22 season is the real curious one. 
The 2021 season, the Blues pretty much know that they're really set with their roster. Again, they've just got to take care of essentially the unrestricted free agents of Petrangelo, decide what to do with Brower, and the restricted free agents of Vince Dunn, which again, that won't be an easy one, but also Jacob De La Rose. It's what happens going into the 21-22 season. And again, you're still going to have a flat cap at that point of just over $81 million. But after next season, after the 2021 season, Alexander Steen at 5.75, Schwartz at 5.35, Bozak at 5 million, Gunnarsson at 1.75, Bennington at 4.4, and Allen at 4.3 all come off the books in terms of they will be headed to unrestricted free agency. Zach Sanford at 1.5, Barbashev at 1.4, and then Thomas and Cairo coming off of their entry-level deals. That's another $4.5 million coming off the books as they head into restricted free agency. So essentially, the St. Louis Blues going into the 21-22 season will have to essentially rebuild their roster and figure out which of those players they re-sign, which they extend, who gets raises, who they let go if they haven't been traded before. But that then gives them essentially close to $31 million to figure that scenario out. That is what is intriguing about that. So as the St. Louis Blues move into next season, yes, it could be tight. But the cap space could be there the following season, depending on how they decide to handle those unrestricted free agents and how they have to give raises to or let them go, of course, to the restricted free agents. And that is the real interesting one. A big thanks, by the way, to capfriendly.com. It's the best cap website out there, folks, if you want to follow it. And it really is intriguing. So again, you're looking at them dealing with an additional $31 million in cap space. Now look, it's not all open because you've got to decide what are you going to do with Schwartz, with Bozak, and obviously Bennington and Allen are a big part of that as well, how you move forward with that front. They do have Vili Husso that is under contract for that year at only 750 So you got to figure the Blues will sit, uh, sort out that goaltending situation, but it's not all free money because you know it's going to some players you currently have on your roster, but that is where they built the flexibility in is for that 21-22 season. How does that impact what they do with Alex Petrangelo this offseason? It's going to give them some options. So for those that say it's going to be nearly impossible for the Blues to sign their captain, it's not the case. The St. Louis Blues have put themselves in a position with not only young players coming up and some cost certainty there, but they've given themselves some flexibility to make the business decision that Doug feel he needs to make for the on-ice product. So there you have it. And again, an interesting look at the salary cap. And it's not this season that jumps off the page at you. It's the flexibility they may have in the 21-22 and 22-23 season moving forward along those lines. Okay, quick reminder for everybody as well. The first broadcast comes your way next Wednesday, the 29th. 5.30 puck drop, 4.30 pregame, Blues and Blackhawks in the exhibition game. And then it will be the Blues and the Colorado Avalanche on August 2nd in the seeding games. Remember, they will play a round-robin tournament with the Colorado Avalanche, the Dallas Stars, and the Vegas Golden Knights using the regular season point system and overtime system. 
The team that wins that round robin gets the top seed, the second place, the second seed, third place, third seed, fourth place, fourth seed. And if there is any tiebreaker, it goes to regular season points percentage. Essentially, the Blues win any tiebreaker against any team that they are headed up against. And we've got those broadcasts for you right here on 101 ESPN. You can order your banners online at stlauthentics.com. Remember, just $65 per banner that are delivered straight to your house. Get those banners up. Uh, the price goes up on Sunday, on Saturday to $73. So get your orders in early. And if you decorate your lawn, your driveway, if you put these banners up in your business or at your home, make sure that you put pictures on social media, hashtag it with We All Bleed Blue, and you can win great prizes from autographed merchandise to blues merchandise to the History Made Book and more. And also don't forget about the Blues 50-50 raffle. That'll be going on to benefit Blues for Kids as well as the Blues Alumni Association which they, of course, just turn around and give that back to the community as well. And you can log on and buy your tickets starting July 27th at stlouisblues.com slash 5050. A ton going on. Log on to stlouisblues.com for all your blues news, 101ESPN.com for all your broadcast news, and we will have blues hockey one week from tonight. This week in hockey is staying on Tuesday night, so the blues are playing on a Wednesday night. Then behind the bench will go to Thursday night. And we still have tons of hockey coming your way. Thanks for tuning in to this week's edition of the Boardwalk Hardwood Floors Behind the Bench Show. I'm Chris Kerber. Have yourself a great week and get some rest. The puck drops next Wednesday night right here on 101 ESPN.